Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Tiger Project Podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Dr. Kip and Mr. Ramirez in order to debunk common myths and calm nerves about the college process. I hope you enjoy. So here we have this Dr. Kip and Mr. Ramirez. So Rebecca, do you want to ask sure. the first question? So first thing, can you guys introduce yourselves and say who you are at GCDS and who you were before? And where we were before. Okay, I'll start. I'm uh, Mr. Ramirez, I'm Director of College Counseling here. And uh, prior to being at GCDS, I was at the Dalton School in New York City. And prior to that, I was at the Princeton Day School in New Jersey, also as a college counselor. And uh, prior to that, I was a in the college side, working in admissions at uh, Princeton University and at Bowdoin College. And I'm Dr. Kip, Associate Director of College Counseling. I joined the team last July. And prior to coming to Country Day, I was on the admissions side my whole career. I spent the last seven years at Northeastern University and spent some time at Providence College and Boston College before that. Okay, so the first question we have for you guys is why do you work in college admissions? What do you like about it? What's your general approach or the values that kind of guide you? So, are we allowed to make some jokes as well? Yeah, of okay, course. Great. No, no jokes. <laughs> no jokes? Okay. No fun is allowed. You know, I do this because of the parents. I love working with parents. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Parents are great. Parents are great. But I, uh, I really love working with students and helping them through this uh, wonderful um, moment in their lives. It's the first sort of real adult decision that many kids are making. Um, so, for me, that's always been a guiding principle is uh, you get to be right at the forefront of a major life decision um, mm-hmm. that these kids are making and everyone starts from a different place so for me it's really exciting to be part of that journey. I'd echo a lot of that. I really enjoy the part of the process where we think about fit and where you see a student go visit a school and they come back and they're so excited to tell you about it and their eyes light up and and they're really excited to apply and they can start to envision themselves there and it's really exciting to see that happen with multiple schools and see students start to see kind of multiple paths up the same mountain that is their life, so to speak. So our next question is, what is one or a couple of the most common misconceptions you hear about the college process? I'm sure there are many, but maybe just try to highlight a couple. Yeah, Yeah. well, one of them for sure is that um, kids believe that every college is highly selective or that selective, that most colleges reject more than half the kids who apply. And that's a big misconception. So, um, in fact, it's just that at schools like GCDS, sometimes it feels like there's only certain types of certain types of schools that kids can attend. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, there's a, a world of you know of colleges that are um, incredible and don't have the same acceptance rates. So there's a home for everyone. Mm-hmm. Is my point. I think another big misconception is that there's a really specific way to build or to sort of construct your your personal narrative, whether that be through activities or through your essay, that there are certain things that colleges are looking for. And if you can find the key to that, you find you kind of find your golden ticket in. And so students will ask, what what should I write about or not write about, rather than thinking about what is important to me and what's important to my story. Or students will ask, what's the best way, what's gonna look most impressive to colleges for what I do this summer? And instead I ask them, well, what do you wanna do this summer? Do you wanna spend your summer working a part-time job and saving money and, 
and being at the summer camp that you've always loved? Or do you want to spend your summer teaching yourself how to code or taking some pre-college classes? And, and both of those things are equal to colleges. They more want to know who you are rather than see how you're kind of trying to engineer your, your application to fit what you think they want. Yeah, I, I would say another mis- misconception, as I, as I was hearing you speak, is uh, mm-hmm. that um, if you have, kids feel sometimes that if they have the grades and scores that a school publicizes, that that means that they are definitely going to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big misconception, and at times, um, you know, we need to, as the college counselors, we, we try to help students understand that it's, that many other factors go into play. Uh, um, come into play that's a little bit more than just grades and scores. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The college process is one that's filled with a lot of happy moments, but also a lot of anxious moments. What is one of the biggest concerns or worries that students come to you guys with? They definitely come to us worrying that they're not going to get into their dream school or into the right school or into a good school. And I think that's especially a concern I've heard from some of the juniors that we've started working with. And so I'll ask, well, like, what does a good school mean to you? Because I can mm-hmm. think of a ton of good schools and I can think of a lot of good schools that are really hard to get into. And I can also think of a lot of good schools that admit way more students than they deny. So I think there's just a fear around, there's a, a, generally a fear around the first major rejection that you're going to get. And in some ways, it's good to kind of get these rejections early because when you apply for a job someday you might be one of two or three hundred candidates applying for one job your odds of that are way lower than getting into pretty much any college so in a way this is sort of preparing you not to sound pessimistic but it's preparing you for some next stages of excitement and and potential disappointment in your life and some kids also feel like a big concern for some kids is that um, there's a mismatch between their grades and their scores. So sometimes mm-hmm. kids come in really nervous about, you know, oh, I'm not a good test taker. Um, or the opposite, you know, um, I'm a good test taker, but my grades aren't exactly, you know, don't exactly match that. So there's always anxiety around around that. And, and we do a lot, a lot of work to help students identify schools that um, will focus more on the bigger picture, if you will. So that's a big one. Another one I would say is uh, um, kids who are really just nervous about upsetting their parents. They, you know, that's a big source of anxiety for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to do their parents proud, and sometimes that comes with its own complications, I feel. So that's why we look at the family meetings. So we take them so seriously because we want everyone to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because we know that a lot of students have worries and questions about colleges, we sent out a survey for questions for students to submit their own questions. And the first one is about college prestige. So, someone said that they're worried people will judge them for not getting into a good college. And also, another student said there's such a big deal about IVs and prestigious colleges. So. How much of a difference does it make to attend an Ivy League school in terms of future opportunities? Um, I mean, I can definitely take that. I uh, that that to me is one of those anxiety-ridden uh, moments for a student is um, the moment that they kind of envision these acceptances coming and how their 
friends, family, and people who are close to them are going to um, react to their acceptances or, or where they actually end up enrolling. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's always been a question of engagement, and that's why I, I always try to talk to kids about picking schools where they feel that they are going to be fully engaged in the academic and non-academic life of their school, because to me that actually matters a lot more than, um, and how they do at that school matters a lot more than the name of the school that they're coming out of. Um, and I know that sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, and, and we live at, you know, in this town where people really care about things like name and prestige. Mm -hmm. However, I do tell every kid who, who doesn't have that type of name in their college, on the college list, that it's all about their engagement and that they're gonna, you know, do wonderfully because they, uh, you know, they were so thoughtful about selecting those schools in the first place. And I'll just say that I kind of go back to a previous point that I made that there are so many good schools. There's 4,000 colleges and universities, and there's really only a handful of schools that have that sub 10% admit rate category or have those kind of what I call them fancier bumper sticker names. And the piece about fit is really important. And I also believe that you can visit an Ivy League school and say this would be a great fit for me. And you can also visit another school that is not an Ivy League school and say this would be a great fit for me. The college process is not marriage. You're not marrying one school. You can like a lot of schools. Mm -hmm. um, students also had a lot of questions about extracurriculars. Um, one student asked you guys to expand upon the role of extracurriculars extracurriculars in the college process, um, are they important and do we need a main sport? You definitely don't need a main sport. There are a lot of students, I was one of these students, I've never played a team sport in my life. I am highly uncoordinated. Um, I bump into things a lot. So you definitely, and I got into college just fine without that. But colleges don't necessarily care so much what you do, but they care about the why behind it. So colleges want to see how you spend your time outside of school, and they don't have a hierarchy of sports being more important than community service or being in the play as being more important than having a part-time job or family responsibilities. They're more looking to understand how you contribute inside and outside of your school community because that's going to tell them about how you will contribute on their campuses. Yeah, that's right. And it's also a matter of um, <clears throat> how kids engage with community. Mm. So... Uh, for that student, for one student, that may look like sports. For another student, that may look like, exactly as Dr. Kip mentioned, you know, the performing or visual arts or um, <clears throat> being the students who host podcasts, right? I mean, that's a, that's a great extracurricular activity as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say it's important for students to um, do things that matter to them, not, 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 not necessarily focus on the names or the, the, the type of activity. So another question for, from students is, how do I determine what school is the right one for me? Meet with your college counselor, obviously. Uh, I think the first thing that, there's three questions that I like to ask students about when they're going through this process, and you might have heard them before. What are you good at? What brings you joy? And what does the world need you to be? And these, I think, are guiding questions that you can ask yourself at any point in your life and maybe they'll change a little bit and maybe they'll stay the same but as you start to think about what you want out of college thinking about what's going to continue to bring you joy to allow you to be good at what you're good at to allow you to contribute something greater to the world and then also think about what what Mr. Ramirez always calls as the non-negotiables 
you know, what kind of environment geographically and in terms of distance from home and in terms of size, in terms of religious life or lack thereof, Greek life or lack thereof, academic or um, athletics or lack thereof, you know, what kind of environment do you think is going to best suit you and what environment has best suited you till this point? And that can be a really good jumping off point about with regard to conversations with us about what schools you might want to consider on the list. Yeah, and, and just briefly, I always ask students, you know, what are elements of their country day experience do they want to preserve in college, mm-hmm. right? For some kids, that could mean something like the ability to interact with, uh, in a collaborative academic setting, or be, the ability to interact with their teachers. Um, if, if that's really important to a student, then that can really inform the type of college they look for. So what are elements of their GCDS life that they want to preserve? And also, let's be real, there are, there are elements of the GCDS experience that kids don't want to preserve at all, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe the, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe the school felt really small. They felt like they were a little under the microscope and they want a bigger school socially. So um, we, we ask students to be pretty reflective of their time at Country Day so that we can help them um, put an eye, sort of uh, set their sights to the type of experience that they may want to encounter after they leave here. Um. Another student asked the question, do most students end up in a college that is right for them, even if they don't think they would enjoy it before there? So I guess this question is kind of asking, in your experience, do students often um, end up at a college that they um, enjoy, I guess, is what they're trying to say? So that's a good question. One thing that I've noticed, and I've been doing this for a long time now, is Nowadays, colleges don't necessarily report four-year graduation rates. Mm-hmm. They report six-year graduation rates. For whatever reason, this generation that y'all are a part of tend to be a little bit more, I don't know, uh, <clears throat> open-minded about sort of timelines and, and, and uh, getting through college in the same rate that your parents did. So um, it's okay to, to see this as, you know, in a six-year window. I think a lot of colleges are starting to report six-year graduation rates for that reason because kids are um, sometimes, you know, life gets in the way or they may want to take a break or, you know, take a gap year. Um, I I find that kids who really know themselves tend to find the schools that are really, uh, um, that work well for them. Um, I tell every kid, make it through Thanksgiving at your college, no one's no one finds their people right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I always hear from seniors, graduating seniors, who you know will email me saying, you know, I don't really like my school right now. It doesn't feel too good, and mm-hmm. I'm like, give it to Thanksgiving, and then Thanksgiving comes, and they have like you know a bunch of friends who are coming with them down to GCDS, and um, and it happens every year. So I I'd say kids who know themselves really well tend to find good fits. Yeah, I'll just echo that too, that I was just having this conversation with a senior the other day that college is kind of awkward for everyone in the beginning and students will kind of act like they have it all figured out, but no one does. Everyone's scared to make friends. Everyone's scared to make that adjustment. And so leaning into that discomfort can help. And knowing that you have a college list where you like pretty much every school on your list can also help. Yeah, you'll have a favorite, maybe a couple of favorites, and maybe a couple that are not favorites, but you have to look at every school on that list and say, if I end up here, I will be happy. 
I will do well academically, I will make friends, I will have a good experience, and I will be able to make the most out of that experience, whether it's at your very tippy-top choice or, or not your tippy-top choice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. In other words, we don't, we don't really allow kids to put colleges on their list that they're not going to be psyched to attend. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a big part of a, what makes up a good college list as far as we're concerned. Mm-hmm. So transitioning to college applications, one of the questions we got was, what is your favorite college essay you've ever read as a former admissions officer? Or just generally speaking, what are your tips for writing a college essay? We can do a whole podcast one day on the top 10 essay topics that Mr. Ramirez cannot stand. We should should do that. We should do that one. I would love to listen to that. A lot of cliche essay topics that kids sort of... uh, Um, resort to like you know athletics or grandparents or Mm -hmm. um summer camp or i don't even know what is the the big game the big game yeah um the concussion um i don't know i I feel like for me um i've read so many great essays over the years i the best one or one that immediately stands out can i give two examples yeah okay all right one is um there's this, this student who um, had a really tough family circumstance where his father, um, the family had to break up. Um, father kind of ran off on the family, and uh, the student was very, very upset by it. You could, and you can actually see it in the student's grades. I remember seeing a um, kind of a, um, a dip in the, in the grades throughout um, at one point in high school, and he bounced back. And he wrote how this, this uh, situation with his dad really kind of... Uh, ran his life for for a while and and when he was looking at his house the one thing that this man had left behind was a stationary bicycle like a exercise bike Mm -hmm. and he's like you know I used to walk by this thing just to test it I used to you know I used to think about all these terrible memories of this guy because he was so you know and and he ran off on us and he's like one day I decided to just ride it and see what happens and um, eventually this became like a source of stress relief for him so you know, if he had a really hard test, he would get on this thing. Or if he had a big game the next day, he would get on this bike. And if he needed just time to reflect, he, he, he got on it. Um, and it was just, it really captured this uh, idea that you can, um, even hard moments are opportunities to grow. Um, and it just really stuck with me. So that, one, that was really good. And then another kid wrote about um, the fact that his, um, he used to play... Uh, you know the game backgammon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to play that all the time with his with his grandfather. Um, he used to visit him over the summer, spend summers with him, and they would keep track of who would win most mm-hmm. of these games. You know the grandparents were were uh, uh, retired, so the kid even sent us a postcard that the grandfather had sent. Like, hey Billy, this is a reminder that I, you know, beat you by a lot <laughs> this summer. Um, and the kid wrote, wrote that, you know, for years, their relationship revolved around this game. And the um, the grandfather was diagnosed with a very severe form of a or rapid onset form of a, um, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- for that reason, their games took a very different turn. And as a re- the game, because it reflected so much about their relationship, uh, the relationship took a, took, a, took a turn, right? And... So the kid writes to us uh, in his essay that this may not sound like much, but he decided to lose on purpose. And losing on purpose allowed him, allowed his grandfather to kind of rekindle these feelings of like, all right, well, this is the way I used to relate to my, gran- to my grandson, you know? And mm-hmm. 
small sacrifice that the kid made. Um, or we would, we think it's a small sacrifice, but uh, it really helped them sort of capture their, um, you know, um, their relationship. And that this, this is a kid who's willing to do things that are uncomfortable to preserve meaningful relationships, right? So that one really stood out to me. There have been a lot of funny ones over the years. I think some kids try to be funny when they're not, and mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a fine line to uh, kind of hold. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. What are... So I have one that I loved and one that sticks with me because it's a little ridiculous, but it has a good lesson to it. Mm-hmm. The one that I loved, um, a student wrote about what he called the Odyssey in his Odyssey. He had an old <laughs> Honda Odyssey. I don't even know if they make them anymore, but they're these really clunky station wagons that were very popular in the early 2000s. And this was the car that he inherited from his parents when he learned how to drive. And so he wrote about you know, the feelings he felt when he heard this really great Katy Perry song in the Odyssey. And he wrote about, you know, sitting in his driveway looking at flashcards to quiz himself. And he wrote about reflecting and crying in his Odyssey when he realized that he needed to come out to his family. And this, he kind of talked about how this car that he didn't really want, but he had to use, helped him, A, get around. It was a very functional piece, but it was also kind of metaphorically functional in his life because the time that he spent alone in his car with his feelings kind of helped him reflect on the person he was and the person that he was becoming and ultimately helped him become more comfortable with who he was and be able to kind of bring that in an outward way to other people around it. I read this essay probably at the very top of my admissions career, um, and it's still one that almost 10 years later like really sticks with me, and I I would love to know where that student is now. I have no, I can't remember anything else about him, but I loved his essay. Um, another essay that I will always remember, and I use it as an example of what not to do, a kid wrote about um, how much he idolizes the rapper 2 Chains, and I'm not sure if 2 Chains is still relevant, but this was... Again, very much at the beginning of my admissions career. But at the end of the essay, my notes were, would like to admit two chains to Boston College, learned nothing about student. So I think that if you're going to write an essay about someone, be it your grandfather or two chains, make sure to always reflect back on on yourself, too. Um, Well, thank you for sharing those. Those are uh, really interesting to hear about. A next question that someone asked is, do you, and you kind of touched on this a little bit beforehand, do you need perfect grades to get into a highly selective school? Also, if you have very good SAT scores but mediate, but mediocre grades or vice versa, how would a school look at that? Hmm. That's tough because I think the, uh, I'm focusing on the, on you saying vice versa because. Yeah. If I had to pick an imbalance, mm-hmm. right, I would say it's always better to have stronger grades mm-hmm. and weaker scores than the opposite. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that, you know, your performance in class, um, that goes, that spans a long time. That spans, uh, that includes a relationship with a teacher. That includes how collaborative you are with students. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes how you do in tests. Whereas a, a test score is just, you know, a two or three hour Thing that you take so colleges are starting to to really um, prescribe to that so a lot mm-hmm. of them are becoming test optional right now um, so you do not need perfect scores for sure you definitely need to demonstrate that you're taking full advantage of our curriculum here and whether that means straight A's or not you know that's that's your personal journey but it 
Um, we do think that it's important for each kid to find their voice academically, even more so than test scores, and focusing on those. The only other thing I'll say is that what can be really hard about some of these highly selective schools is that you can do everything right in this process, but there is no magic formula. And I can't tell you the number of students that I kind of hemmed and hawed over and lost sleep over at Northeastern when I worked there because I had all these great kids that I really wanted to admit and that could do really great things there. But there were lots of constraints on just class sizes and the number of seats versus the number of applicants. And so one of the things that you'll hear us say a lot is that, you know, it's kind of like a, it's not you, it's them sort of thing with, with, with a lot of these really selective <clears throat> colleges and that ultimately the college decisions do not and should not um, directly attribute to your, to your worth and your feelings of am I smart, am I worthy, you are smart, you are worthy, and just because a college doesn't admit you doesn't mean they don't think that. Yeah, I think going off of that, the next question is how do I make myself stand out against the sea of applicants? Because I know that there are even in situations where you do everything right, like there's a lot of anxiety as to how you can get into the school that you want to get into. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I mean, I tell kids always to just control what you can mm-hmm. control, right? I mean, we're we can be real on this podcast too, right? We can, mm-hmm, yeah. we, can we can speak <laughs> truth to power. Okay, um, kids will get into colleges for a bunch of reasons mm-hmm. that sometimes even extend beyond grades and scores, or even beyond their extracurriculars. Maybe it's who their parents are. Maybe it's what mm-hmm. their parents have done at that school or grandparents have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are things that you, if you don't have that, you cannot control, right? Yeah. So I always tell students, worry, worry about what you can control. Um, and what you can control is, you know, how you function academically, um, how you build relationships with your peers and your, um, and your community as a, um, as a whole. I mean, we're a school that really values the way or the opportunity to, to you know, contribute to community here. Um, so for me, that's a big that's a big part of it as well. It's just um, you know focusing on yourselves and not and not so much on the hoopla around here around around the process. Yeah, I I, I would echo all of that, exactly. Yeah. So I know that this can be a very stressful process as well. So our next question is: What advice do you have in terms of working hard on co- college applications, but while also taking care of your mental health? I think starting the process early, which we will encourage you to do and not leaving it till the last minute. And I tell students, think about what is due for certain deadlines and then work backwards to think about how much time you need to give yourself to complete that in a manner that will let you complete things well and to the best of your ability, but also not like totally drive you crazy during Mm -hmm. the process. Um, And I think also having faith in yourself, but also having faith in the process that it's going to, it's going to work out as it should, and that we are all working on the same team. Like we're on your team as your counselors. That's all. I tell every kid to just believe that your best is good enough, right? Yeah. The um, everyone's going to find um, a good home. Um, in terms of the the, you asked about mental health. I think sometimes uh, kids get into. Uh, I don't want to say trouble, they, they, they become very stressed out at how much they have to do. And sometimes uh, 
that means seeking help. Um, and that help can come in different forms. It can come in, you know, parents helping out with the, with the application process or other people helping out with the essay. Um, in my opinion, your, your best is always good enough and, mm-hmm. and approaching it that way, um, I think can really help you write effective essays and um, um, just understanding that, yeah, your, your journey is one that needs to be articulated by you, not by anyone else. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, one of the last questions someone asked is, what was something that you learned about the senior class of 2022 that will help you deal with the senior class of 2023? Well, this is a... It's not something I've learned about this class in particular. It just ha- it's it's a it's a trend that's been happening for a long time, and mm-hmm. and that's that um, colleges are experts at marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we need students to go beyond the fancy. And have you have you looked at a uh, college app uh, brochure yet? I'm sure you have. Yeah, and, there are some that are like beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and they're the most diverse. <laughs> You know, like you know, you have kids of all different backgrounds being pictured, and it's usually a quad and foliage, and everyone's mm-hmm. smiling, and you know everything looks wonderful. Um, I always tell students to, to just do your homework in terms of getting your own, um, having your own uh, assessment on these schools. Um, colleges are being incredibly uh, strategic as well, so they're admitting a lot more kids in early decision. Yeah. So. That is something that we're definitely telling the juniors is that if you really love some schools that have early decision and you're, and we tell you that that's a good fit in terms of your profile, mm-hmm. to take advantage of that because a school that may be a good, where you may be able to get in an early decision, may be unobtainable for you in regular decision because those schools become a lot more selective. So that's that's a trend that it just continues to increase, and one that we would definitely want our kids to be aware of. I mean, there, I'm sure there's more, but. Yeah, I think, again, nothing with this class in particular, but um, I think something I've seen over the years, and I, I I keep harping on this, and I said this a little bit earlier, but it just seems, I just want students to feel good about being themselves and about being authentic and genuine in what they put forward and what they write about. And the essay is something I've been getting asked about a lot, and I've, you know, we've both read a lot of these things. And... The most important story you can tell is your own and whether or not that story seems important to other people doesn't matter because if it's important to you that's what that's what should matter one phrase i've told students before is during this process keep your eyes on your own paper right it doesn't matter what the student next to you where they're applying it doesn't matter like what your nosy aunt judy thinks when she inevitably interrogates you about colleges um, at Easter or at Passover, you know, it, it doesn't matter what other people, and certainly you want to know your parents' opinions, you want to know our opinions as your counselors, and, and we all want to be on your team, but it can be really hard, especially with all the noise on social media too, but try your best to drown it out, because at the end of the day, you're the one going to the college, you're the one living there, you're the one studying there, and if someone says, oh, I don't like that school, you can say, well, you don't have to like it because I'm the one going there. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say uh, uh, the last thing I'll say about that, too, is that the, um, I think some members of the senior class were initially still nervous about us being in a new school. Yes. You know, and 
the juniors and anyone below that class should not worry about that at all. Mm-hmm. Like the experiment, quote unquote, I'm putting up quote fingers. Uh, <laughs> you know, that part is done, right? Mm-hmm. Colleges really know who we are. They love who we are. They love our project-based learning curriculum. They love our kids. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the proof is in, you know, where are these kids, where everyone's going. Everyone's yeah. finding a home that they really love. So our final question, which I think captures the general mood of the students here, is should I be nervous for this process? I think a little bit of nervousness is okay because mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, it keeps you sharp. And um, I always tell kids to um, um, make sure that they're going into their academics with a no regrets mentality, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just doing your best. It has nothing to do with grades. Just making sure that you don't have any regrets as you reflect back on your academic path through here. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I mean, no, just be your best selves. That's that's my better advice is, you know, again, keep your eye on your own paper, be your best selves, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, um, and that's going to be good enough. And I think in the times that you're feeling really extra stressed out or really extra nervous about something, rather than try to bury it and let it therefore kind of spiral, come and talk to one of us so we can help you and we can make suggestions or maybe we can <clears throat> quell some of those nerve, those nerves or those fears. Um, or if you've kind of dug yourself into a little hole with something, we can come up with strategies to help you take out of that hole because we ultimately want you to enjoy your high school experience. Senior year has all of the most, they save all the most fun stuff for senior year for a reason. It's the culmination. You've worked really mm-hmm. hard to get to do all of the fun senior activities. And so we don't want you feeling like, I can't enjoy this because I'm too stressed out about the college process. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you so much. That was yeah. awesome. That was great to, yeah, great to be here. Hi all, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Tiger Project. I know I did and I learned lots of new information from Dr. Kip and Mr. Ramirez. Thanks for listening.